Welcome to the Hello First Name podcast. The Hello First Name podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holy, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Welcome to the first episode. As stated in our opening jingle, each episode will either be a chapter from the book or a discussion of the topic with an expert. This episode is no exception, but before we start with the introduction from the book, let me share a few words about why we're doing this audiobook podcast. So, somewhere in the middle of writing Hello First Name, I realized that most marketers only listen to books and uh, don't in fact read them. Even if they are read, most are skimmed briefly for points and models that make the reader sound and appear more clever immediately, hence this podcast. So, without any further ado, here's the introduction from the book. Hello, first name. Profiting from personalization. By Rasmus Holin, Franz Riemersma, Ariel Hochberg and Matthias Andersen. Omnichannel Institute, 2023. Introduction. The title of this book, Hello, first name, is a reference to what could very well be the most common example of personalization in the world. The salutation often used in an email or a LinkedIn connection request. In the article A History of Direct Marketing, Nat Ross traced the earliest use of personalized direct mail all the way back to 1870. In 1940, marketers working for Time magazine discovered that personalized salutations increased response rates for direct mail by as much as six times. Although this effect has now largely worn off, most of us still regularly receive emails or direct mails with our first name copied in, either in the subject line of the email or at the beginning of the main part of the communication. Some will also have seen examples of this having gone wrong, where the letter or email actually says dollar sign first name, revealing some of the underlying logic of how communication is personalized. However, as this book will show, there is much more to personalization than putting a person's first name into a subject line. So much more, in fact that there is now a considerable hype on the topic. Indeed, in his book, The Person in Personalization, 2023, David Mannheim demonstrates how researchers, practitioners, associations, and technology providers have dubbed every single year between 2015 and 2022 the year of personalization. Obviously, technology providers, agencies, and personalization professionals have a natural interest in keeping the hype alive to sell their services. If you take the promises of the average technology vendor at face value, personalization, and especially hyper-personalization at scale, is the new black, and more is always better. With the right technology, namely theirs, it will all be fun and easy, and you'll be able to deliver a hyper-personalized customer journey based on AI and predictive analytics to all customers in no time at all, and money will fall from the sky like sweet summer rain. Amazon and Netflix are probably two single most impressive cases regarding personalization. And over time, they have been kind enough to share a lot about their processes and results. But these cases don't stand alone by any means. There's a whole array of positive cases to be inspired by. However, the seasoned marketer knows that these successes don't create themselves. It takes hard work from a lot of people working together using the relevant technology, 
of which there is definitely no shortage. But successfully working together requires common language and understanding as well as clear goals. And with personalization being such a wide topic, this creates a lot of confusion, which leads to misunderstandings. And this in turn leads to personalization projects that are doomed to fail from the get-go, with all that entails in terms of broken promises, shattered careers, lost potential and wasted money. If you're a marketing practitioner, the worst case is that your CEO may have heard the term personalization and believe you're already doing it because your company began the simple personalization of first names in its communication long ago. If this is the case, then you are unlikely to be getting the resources you need to take full advantage of personalization. But how do marketers look at personalized communication among themselves? In sharp contrast to what is actually needed, many marketers seem comfortable with only a semi-clear definition of personalization and nevertheless happily use the term believing they understand its meaning and potential and what it takes to achieve it. The differences between how marketers understand personalization seem to be the greatest when marketers represent companies with different go-to-market models, which often correlate with different marketing practices. A person who is working in advertising for a large, fast-moving consumer goods company will have a hard time finding common ground with a fellow marketer who is working in a born digital direct-to-consumer company. To add to the confusion, there has been a growing tendency towards personalization bashing within marketing's own ranks since the late 2010s. For example, some marketers, especially within branding and advertising, have criticized the whole notion of doing personalized communication in the first place, since it would never make sense and be way too expensive in terms of labor costs to produce one personalized version of a brand story for each individual customer. So what is up and what is down? Is personalization and more specifically hyper-personalization a hoax, a freak of nature, a crossbreed between lazy marketers and greedy technology salespeople? Is it any wonder that the modern CEO struggles to understand the wonders of personalization when marketers disagree this much even among themselves? This book is aimed at all marketers working with personalization to help them get a clear understanding of the concept and share this with their team to ultimately create better results with the resources at hand. The first and second parts of the book focus on understanding the concept in detail and will be helpful for marketing practitioners of all levels. The last two parts focus on the prerequisites as well as the organizational foundation of personalization and will be particularly helpful to marketing leaders and CEOs wishing to guide their organization towards creating the best possible customer experience. More precisely, the book's first goal, the focus of part one, is to create a common definition of personalization that anyone within the field will be able to comprehend. Using this definition, you should be able to not only identify your own perspective on personalization, but also to clearly see its shortcomings and what you're missing. This will allow you to fully grasp the concept and reap the potential benefits, or at least avoid unfortunate misinvestments. To help us get closer to a common definition, we held dialogues with more than 90 people working within digital marketing and personalization around the world. See the chapter about the book. These people helped us to define the problem and later the solution that you are now starting to read. We'd like to thank these people for feeling our pain, for giving us their perspectives again and again, and for participating in roundtable debates and interviews that helped us get closer to a common perception and a model we can all use. In part two, we move on to consider the main model of this book. Through countless examples from companies across a variety of industries, we developed our main model for understanding personalization, the bow tie of personalization. In chapter six, we explain how the underlying parts constitute a model for personalization that brings clarity to the madmen of our time and the media buyers, the customer relationship management managers, and the website and e-commerce managers alike. 
The practitioners we consulted found the metaphor strikingly helpful, but we also acknowledge its primarily masculine connotations. If you're more comfortable thinking of a bow, then please do so. The logic still applies. Chapters 7, 8, 10 and 12 go deeper into the four corners of the bow tie of personalization, namely segments, messages, moments of truth and content feeds. If you're new to personalization, this model will give you a detailed understanding of the topic. If you're already a skilled practitioner, you will most likely find the model both intuitive and easy to understand. Its purpose is to anchor your team conversations around personalization and help you to establish the optimal conditions for working together in this area. It will especially be useful for getting new team members on board and up to speed in terms of understanding personalization. The bow tie of personalization brings clarity to the what of personalization. The second goal of this book is to show what it takes to make personalization profitable in each of the major marketing disciplines. To do this in chapters interspersed throughout part two, we'll demonstrate how different parts of the model play the main role depending on the marketer's agenda. Building campaigns, chapter nine, automating marketing, chapter 11, and meeting customers on inbound platforms such as websites and apps, chapter 13. In other words, taking into account the specific use case and the medium, what should you as a marketer focus on to succeed with personalization? What are the levers you can pull in order to maximize profit in both the short term and the long term? And in which order should you pull them? The findings are summed up in a maturity model that we call the pyramid of personalization. This model explains the how of personalization. More specifically, chapter 14 focuses on maturity within the personalized communication that the customers experience. In other words, it sums up three maturity levels for the scope of work that you produce to deliver personalized customer experiences. This is the front end of the pyramid. On the back of a newly found nuanced view of the topic of personalization, part three then explores the prerequisites for personalization, such as how well your core business performs, how well you've established brand awareness and brand trust, and how well you can access customer data. As a byproduct of this exploration, we'll also consider who personalization is not for and hopefully honor the skeptics a little. This part is especially meant for marketing leaders who will inevitably face demands from senior management and employees alike. It serves as a reality check as to whether personalization is the right tactic for your business at all at this given time. Use it to fend off impatient senior management colleagues with unrealistic expectations or how to get the funding you need to put the basics in place. In part four, we'll explore what it takes to succeed with personalization from an organizational point of view. Answering these questions is the third goal of the book. How can skills, software and governance go hand in hand to make personalization possible? And how can you manage this process sustainably with proper governance? The three main resources, skills, software and governance, will be visualized across three maturity levels. These three levels constitute the back end of the pyramid of personalization. This last part of the book is especially for you if you're a marketing leader with an omnichannel customer P&L responsibility and if personalization is well anchored among your senior management. It will give you guidance as to how you can manage personalization optimally at the macro level. Lastly, in this part, we'll consider how to break through the glass ceilings that exist between the three maturity levels of the pyramid of personalization. We do hope and believe you and your teams will find this book both helpful and entertaining. The author's note on the process. This book is not only a result of academic desk research, to make sure the concepts and models would be usable by real practitioners and strategists, approximately 90 people helped to evaluate the book's content and models. Countless interviews were held with experts from all over the world. Moreover, 
a series of six expert panels of practitioners from the Nordic capitals, Copenhagen, Oslo and Stockholm, met to discuss, criticize and suggest changes to the models and concepts and to supply their knowledge of case studies to learn from. Please refer to the chapter Acknowledgements in the back of this book for the full list of people who participated and helped this project come alive. The Nordic need for efficiency and personalization. It's no secret that the authors, the contributors and the cases in this book have their senses of gravity firmly rooted in the Nordics. We realize this means that some of the examples may not be considered household brands by overseas audiences. With the modest population size of the Nordic countries, a rather large customer database often contains no more than 1 to 2 million customers. This means that all personalization efforts must be built with great efficiency in order to become profitable. The authors firmly believe that this need for efficiency, as well as the general digital maturity in the region, provides valuable lessons for all practitioners, especially those operating in larger markets, who should be able to leverage these lessons to reach unseen heights due to the sheer scale of their databases. Notes on the case studies used. To give the reader a feeling for how a practitioner thinks and which considerations go into creating a sustainable personalized customer experience, we've chosen to start most of the chapters in the book with case studies in the form of narratives. These narratives aren't meant to be 100% factual representations of past real-life situations. However, they're all rooted in the practice of the represented organizations, and as such, they could have happened as they are presented here. The people featured within the narratives are all real people and have participated in the creation of the narratives. We are aware that the supplemental case studies have a preponderance of companies using Agilic as their omnichannel marketing automation software. This is a natural consequence of the main author's affiliation and the popularity of this platform in the Nordics, but has no impact on the theoretical points made or the potential results that can be obtained with this or any other comparable software. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, we'll cover chapter one, which is all about the hype of personalization. Is it real? Is it too hyped? 